I've always followed Oklahoma football, and then, uh, of course, me being an offensive lineman, that's a hard that's a hard thing to pass up. And then, um, of course, this new staff, um, they're they're just great. They're they're very genuine. From all the players I talk to, it's legit. Like what you see is what you get. And then Coach B, um, I mean, he's the best in the business. It's kind of hard to pass up. There you hear from one of the uh, commitments over the weekend, Caden Green, uh, four-star offensive tackle, what, 6'5", 315-pounder. This moves, whole class is big, man. Yeah, moves really well. Um, you know, uh, uh, highly thought of by a lot of people. What is it? I think – doesn't Rivals have him – Listed way higher as a prospect than I don't know what rivals like has him. Um, I, I know that both he and PJ Atabare are in the top 100. I think OU has four top 100 kids according to 24/7 Sports, and Caden Green, who you just heard from, and PJ Atabare, who committed yesterday, are both in that Kansas City area. And it kind of feels like that's an area that OU is going to attack here moving forward. You know, I'm. I mean, they got a kid from Washington and Pennsylvania and New Jersey, but there's some talent in that Kansas City area, and they're gonna they're gonna make it a point to get there. So I I like to hear it. Right. Yeah. Uh, really good. Really really good stuff. Um, a lot of people think very highly of them, and there is an extremely extremely high ceiling. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong on this, the highest rated offensive line recruit that Bill Bedenboe's had. Wow, is that right? I Ooh, think. I, I don't know if that's accurate or, or not. Or at least in a long time. Huh, because Creed Humphrey was, what, a four-star coming out of Shawnee? He was real. I don't know. Text line will let us know if that's true or not. Um, yeah, let's see. His composite is 9551. I guess we'll have to see what Creed Humphrey's was. What year was he? Was he so he would have been, because he was a redshirt freshman, on the uh, who's actually redshirting during the the uh, Rose Bowl year, so he would have been a 2017 signing class guy, right? Is that how that works? Yeah, we'll go back and find it. Yeah. Regardless, he's Caden Green's very, very highly. Uh, a lot of people wanted him, and oh, you lucky to get him. And substance with this class, um, you, you got a five star quarterback, great place to start. Already got one running back, and I have another one by the end of this week. Uh, but you got offensive linemen. You've got uh, edge rushers. You've got backers in there. It's just it's rounds out as a very nice class, and still a long way to go till National Signing Day. Uh, number one. Yeah, yeah, um, e- yeah. Creed Humphrey was an eighty nine six two. Marquise Hayes was a ninety three five that year. So I don't know. I th- I think that's true, but we'll have someone. Uh, tell us, Tyrese Robinson is was up there really high too. So I got I some random like kind of over unders um, on uh. on, on this stat. You know, just just some different things. So I'm going to put the over under just regular season, not postseason. Now I know the SEC move is looming, so you're going to have to factor that in on whatever you think is going to happen. Over under on regular season wins for the first three years of the Brent Venables era. I'm putting the number at 32 wins. Are you going over that, under that, or I guess you could go dead on balls accurate if you'd like. Over. Over? They're yeah. gonna that's that's eleven wins a year is what they're gonna average then in yeah. the regular season. Dang, okay. Oh, okay. That, so that's just, re, just regular season only. Um 
Yeah, well, I'm not going to say push. I'll say over. So you think that they're going to average 11 wins. That's what they would have to do. 11-1, 11-1, 11-1, or an undefeated season in there somewhere. Well, regular season. I think they're going to be, at worst, 10-2 and two this year. Um, I think the next couple the, – the two years following that are going to be uh, – at least eleven and one. I'd probably like I said. I think they win a championship in year by year three. So at some point in there, I think they're going to win a championship. Now that doesn't necessarily mean they're undefeated in the regular season, but I don't know. I I don't think they're going to be under that number. Yeah. No. As things currently stand, and I'm meaning in this conference, I would tend to pick the over as well. But when you factor in a future move to the SEC, not that we think that they're going to go seven and five or anything, but that 32 number gets a little bit more difficult if we're talking about an SEC move, right? Even for just one year, which yep. I think in that in the in that time frame it will. I put the number at 32 because I think it's dead on balls accurate. So that's what I think it is: 32 wins after three years. Yeah, which is. Pretty, uh, that's great for no, just I, regular season only. No, I think that I think that's right there, right there. That's the number. Now, you don't have to go over that number to win a championship, right? That that's that's the good thing about what we're what we're talking about. It's um, it's with the playoff, you don't have to be one of the two undefeated teams. You just need uh, a chip in a chair, so to speak, to get into the dance. So, Well, it would be nice, though, to have the number one seed at some point and not be a four seed and have to play the best team in what feels like a road game most of the time. Right. That, that would be nice. Right. Well, hey, um, I don't know. I think good things are going to come. I think this year is going to be – I feel good about this year. I do. But this year is going to be the air quotes work in progress year, you know? Like there's there's some things that they're going to have to figure out. Like for the first time they're figuring out what was expected of them in winter conditioning, what was expected of them in spring practice, what's expected of them in summer workouts, what's going to be they haven't even gotten to what is going to be expected of them in training camp and in the regular season. Like so there's there's a learning curve that is still ongoing with this team. Yeah. And it's really it's always ongoing, but this will be the the most difficult. Three names for you. Jeff Lebby at OU, Lincoln Riley at USC, Steve Sarkeesian at the University of Texas. Out of those three names, who's at their current school the longest? Who's at their current uh, school the the shortest? Lebby's the shortest. Riley is the longest, and there you go. Hmm. Why why Riley the longest, and why Lebby the shortest? Well, I think I think Lebby is the shortest because he he's the one that can improve his position the most. What's he make? Right, close to two million a year. Yep. You can go be head coach at Vanderbilt and make $5 million a year right now. So he's the guy that could easily leave the quickest to well over double his salary. So that has to factor in as the guy that is most likely to quickly leave. Um, Sark, I think, is 
kind of in the middle because he's he's already had a bad year. He's got some some built-in capital right now with with like the like people are going to want to see him kind of work out the Arch Manning thing. So I think that gives him a little bit of leeway, a little bit of time. I mean, unless he goes five and seven again, like you know, I'm telling you, they lose three games walking out of the Cotton Bowl. I ain't gonna, I'm not going to put it past it. Well, they're not going to fire him because they're not going to want to lose him. I, as I, a, I know. I'm just talking about going right. five and seven. I'm just saying. Like, oh that's, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, I put Lincoln Riley as the longest because I think that I think that Lincoln is he's put himself in an interesting position. I think that because of the move that he made from Oklahoma to USC and some of the fallout that came from that and kind of how things have gone, I I and I know there's like thoughts out there that he's going to be quick to jump to the NFL. I think that he is going to try and prove this thing out, that it was the right move. But it's it's going to be hard for him. So I think it's going to take – if he was to win a championship in two years, I think he'd be gone. Sure. But I don't think that's going to happen. No, and, and that's my and pushback for him being there. I think his star is going to fade. Right. Yeah, that's my pushback for him being there a while is I think it's I don't think it's going to just be all great this year at USC and with that Big Ten move looming. I think that it's going to be I'm going to get out here before it gets bad and then hop to the NFL somewhere. That, that's what I think. I think he's at USC for three years. Yeah. I think the other end of that is I just I don't know I don't know what his star looks like in the NFL right now. I don't. And and maybe he's he's still super highly viewed and I know you brought up the the Kingsbury situation and how he failed upward and maybe that's the same same as Lincoln Riley. Maybe he's he's got that ability but I don't know. I I think there's probably a wait-and-see mode right now on, on Lincoln in the NFL. Gunny of the Stutzman Army says, Lincoln Riley the shortest, Lebby the longest. So, I mean, when you think – because I think everyone likes Jeff Lebby as an offensive coordinator right now. And theoretically, you would want him to stay around for a long time. But the shorter that he's here, there's a really good chance that the better it's gone in the first you know year or two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he's gone after year one or year two, it means you had an incredible offensive explosion. Right. I. And uh, you've you've always kind of hinted to, and I mean, not really even hinted, kind of come out and said that you think that he wants to stay here until this program wins a national championship. Now, if a big job comes and throws seven and a half million dollars at you, who's to say that he's going to turn that one down? You probably don't. But you have at least said that I get the feeling he wants to win a national championship before he leaves. Right. That's a big I, deal to him. I think so. I think so. I think it is a big deal. And, you know, I think he's got – I think he's got plenty of reason to be patient. But it's also easy to say you should be patient whenever someone's going to offer to throw you what could be, like, five years, five – like. 25 million guaranteed dollars to go coach five years somewhere. Like that's, it's hard to convince someone to turn that down. Yeah. And it feels like the guys that are getting a ton of money thrown at them or the offensive, the, the OC guys. Right. Yeah. I think, 
I think offensive. You know, I mean, we've talked about offensive coordinator. Even though there's been a quick little change-up here with some defensive guys doing some good stuff, offensive coordinators typically get the bulk of the jobs. Well, Coach V could have left early and double his money, but he didn't. I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah, That. well, that's not necessary. It's not true to the same degree it is now. I. It wasn't very long ago that the thought of an offensive coordinator making $2 million was absurd. Yeah. Right? So, like, whenever he could have left, it would have been, like, to take a head coaching job and get paid, like, $1.5. Um, but Coach Venables is, you know, I think, I think he is – he's never been a guy who has openly – talked about wanting to be a head coach. Like it's it's something that he's probably considered and and talked privately about and and that's one thing he said is like he didn't it didn't have to happen. It he you know he could wait and say no and be really selective on on where he's going to go. So there's there's different people with different motives. If we win 32 plus games in three years, Jeff Levy is definitely the shortest. Yeah, that's kind of that's, what we're saying. Yeah, that's what you were talking about there. Uh, Teddy, do Schmitty workouts get mentally easier knowing you have just a few weeks left? Mm, no. <laughs> uh, well, it's different now, but previously, in my experience. The light at the end of the tunnel was a freight train. It was training camp in two a days, which is the most brutal part of the year. So no, no, they don't get easier. I, uh, but uh, you know, I don't. Since you don't have two a days anymore, I don't think guys dread camp like they used to. But I know that Venables is going to squeeze every ounce no within the that. limits of the rules that they can. I think Lincoln would love to jump to the NFL, but what kind of buyout would an NFL team have to pay on a coach that just signed a hundred-plus million-dollar contract? A lot. I mean, that's that's kind of the the forgotten aspect of Lincoln Riley's deal is, you know, USC hired him on and they gave him a gar- guaranteed contract, but you know. There's provision provisions in there to where someone can't just step in and poach that without making them all square on the back end. BV will talk to his assistants and make sure that they take the big-time jobs rather than jobs that are less desirable. He knows firsthand. Yeah, I, I don't even think Jeff Levy needs that talk. I mean, maybe that conversation comes up, but Jeff Levy seems like he's a smart enough guy to realize that you just don't jump at, at any job. And I don't think that he's going to, man. Right. Like, if the Ole Miss job were to open up this offseason, depending on how much they offer him, which I'm sure that they would offer quite a bit, that's kind of one of those tweener jobs that would be really tough for him to consider. Yeah. Yeah. I. It, it all goes back to, I'm sure in a perfect world, Jeff Lebby would want to win a championship at Oklahoma. I mean, he likes it here. He this is familiar to him. He's he knows a bunch of the guys on staff. I mean, this you're not at, he's not coaching in Pullman, Washington right now, okay? He likes being here. He likes this spot. In a perfect world, he'd probably like to stay here a handful of years, be an offensive coordinator on a national championship winning uh football team and then go take the 
Florida job or you know whatever yeah. big job there is out there. But the reality of the situation is there's going to be someone come along maybe after this year, maybe after next year, and they're going to offer him $5 million a year. It's just it's kind of about what the going rate is he, to get someone to come be a head coach at one of those mid-level schools. I think he's in a unique spot as an offensive coordinator too, and it's a great spot to be in in terms of getting paid as a head coach if it goes well. But there was this immediate thought that, well, OU's definitely going to take, you know, they're going to take a turn, you know, a little bit down offensively after losing Lincoln Riley. But if the guy after him comes in and has just as good, if not better, offensive numbers than Lincoln Riley did before, like narrative-wise and what people were to think of Jeff Levy, I think there's a lot to gain there. Right. Wow, I thought OU was going to stink after Lincoln left, but this Jeff Levy guy, God, they're better offensively than they were his past few years. Yeah. Well, I see the text. I think Teddy's low-balling Levy. High-profile offensive coordinators are getting close to $7 million a year on the open market. Well, that's true only at about five jobs, though. Like, to get $7 million a year as a head coach, you're talking you're, – you're in blue blood territory almost, right? There's only a handful of coaches that make $7 million a year or more. And in order to do that, most likely you, you – you know, you've got some serious tenure there, and you are the the talked about go to guy. And I don't I don't think that's a I don't think Lebby won't become that guy. I think he could become that guy. Maybe it would take a little bit longer though. I mean, if he if he if someone offers to double his salary really quickly or if more than double it, and I'm kind of just. I'm thinking mid-tier type of Power 5 job, right? I think that's kind of typically most likely because it's not every single year that an Ohio State, a Texas, an Oklahoma, uh, a school of that stature that can pay top dollar comes open. Well, Texas comes open every three years, but fair point <laughs> on Ohio State and OU. Right, so I, I don't – I'm. I think he could definitely be that guy, but it, it's timing is everything. One of those jobs has to be open. But, you know, the other thing is the number's rising, and it's always rising. And by the time he leaves two, three years down the road, it could easily be at $7 million or, or perhaps even beyond. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on. Um, you know, stay tuned. Uh, I think we'll finish off with a top five class in the nation. So just stay tuned. Don't panic. And uh, let's get to work. I appreciate it. There you go. There's more from recent four-star offensive tackle commit Caden Green. Sooners are the number 11 overall class after a big week. Last week, up to number 11 in the 24-7 sports rankings. 
But, dude, we got 54 days until kickoff. It is uh, rapidly approaching. And you see all those accounts on Twitter that have like, hey, 54 days until kickoff. Here's a 54-yard touchdown, all that. I know Oklahoma versus the world uh, does a good job with that every single day. Here's one. How how about uh, this one from from Notre Dame uh, a few years ago? Blake Bell to Shep, 54 yards. OU beats Notre Woo! Dame in South Bend in 2013. Uh, a game in South Bend. Overrated, underrated, or just right? And I wasn't there that day. Oh, I don't know. I would say... Well, first off, uh, where is it rated? And it feels like it's rated by everyone and propped up to be one of the best experiences that a college football fan can have. It's hard for me to say because my experience of it is much different than a fan's experience of it is. Mine's pretty uh, pretty sterile. Yeah, you don't get to see the game day environment. Yeah. Uh, you're in the, the press box. Which Four you, hours before kick, yeah, so there's no one really yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I think I did like pregame down on the sideline. Like so The sideline was, was fine. I hate the type of grass they had. Didn't they just switch to turf? I think so, yeah. They had that super thick, chunky, like, soldier field. Yeah, always Zach has. Sanchez, I think, said today, the worst grass I've it's ever terrible. played on before. It all just, like, chunks up the whole time, super slow. Um, but it's cool, you know. It's, it sounded really loud on that uh, that clip that we just played. It was loud. If I remember right, the weather was great. Um, you know, you go around and see all the – I thought the coolest part was the little cave area with the prayer candles, whatever that spot is called, was was really cool. Um, I'd rate it high. You like Touchdown Jesus? Yeah. Well, I just – I brought it up because I just hear way more people talk about the Tennessee trip or the Ohio State trip or some other trips. And Notre Dame is, like, mentioned as one of the best but never the best. So, I I mean, text line, you tell us. You were there, 405-651-3439. A lot overrated, of it underrated, to, or just right. A lot of it has to do with the game. Um, like in that game, OU, we jumped on them quick, right? Fourteen-zero quick. I had a couple defensive touchdowns that game. I had right? a scoop and score right out. I think we scored a touchdown, and then like on the first play of the next series, had a scoop yeah. and score for for a touchdown. So, like, there wasn't a whole lot of drama in that game. Right, the Tennessee game. Well, was I mean that one. Full that, of drama. The the clip that we just played, OU's up six early in the fourth quarter, facing a third. I, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, hear what you're. Yeah. It was less drama than the Ohio State and the Tennessee game, but it still got interesting at yeah. points in that game. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I wouldn't classify the Notre Dame win on the road as, for me. One of my most it's memorable It's almost a forgotten game in it some is. ways. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Like you go to South Bend and, and win, and the, was OU a dog it, that day, maybe? Avenge it the year after losing to them, you know? I think part of it was was that they, by that point in the year, they were already, I, they, they, were, they were not what they were before. And, you know, when you play in a national championship game and then the next season you lose a couple – I, the luster falls off really quickly, but 
I don't know. It was it was cool. It was it was yeah. It wasn't horrible. It was cool, but it's not okay. Just you can say a little bit underrated is what you want to say. The okay. question was overrated, underrated, or just right. And for what it's built to be, it's not. It's not reality. Yeah, it's not, so it's, it's not the greatest place ever. I guess it's overrated, but like I said, my experience is is a little bit different. It was. Here's the thing. I think it's rated. You should rate it as if you are a if you're a hardcore college football fan, and you have the opportunity. It's one that you have to take. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Notre Dame 2013, 210 area code. Fans were great. Stadium was terrible. Uh, 949 area code. I was there in 2013. Worth going once, but once is enough. Uh, Teddy wouldn't know. He didn't know Notre Dame existed before 2000. No, that's he not true. He had a starter Notre Dame jacket in the 90s. Yeah, you got to remember did. we played him in uh, we played him in 99. So I did know they existed and. My grandfather played there. I visited Notre Dame's campus in high school in the spring, not even a game day, and I can say the campus is super impressive and would be even better on a game day. It there was there was plenty of buzz. I think it's 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 a little bit different. Say say you go to Tennessee, I don't know, Tennessee's maybe not the right example, but most places whenever you go to a college football game on the road it is we need to experience the tailgate. We need to experience whatever like bars and restaurants that are right here around campus that everyone goes to. At Notre Dame, it's a little bit different because everyone walks around to see the campus. You know what I'm saying? It's not. It's definitely not an SEC atmosphere. And when you were gone on Friday, we just threw around like, is the SEC going to pull one over on everyone and add it? Notre Dame, and then there was, there was the thought like, God, Notre Dame is not an SEC feel right. at all up there. It's the exact opposite. Yeah. Well, you know, whenever you go to West Virginia, the must-see is Kegler's, okay? It's, uh, it's a bar that has, you know, like 10 different rooms in it. It's, it's a you-know-what show on game day. When you go to South Bend, the must-see is like the prayer cave. It's a little bit different. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot different. I have uh, very high expectations. Maybe I shouldn't, but I do have very high expectations for Lincoln this year. And I'm wondering if I'm going to be um, you should say overrating for ne- it. Nebraska, not Lincoln. Well, just to throw- everyone knows what Lincoln, okay. what Lincoln is. I know. Everyone it just, knows. Just kind of throws. But I feel like I'm I'm overrating it pretty high. I think it's going to be this great experience, and that might not be the reality. But I don't know. I'm pretty jacked about that game. I don't know. I think you're I think you're rating it just right. It's going to be it's going to be a lively crowd. It it's going to be a tense crowd because this season there's a lot on the line for them and. Oklahoma early on is a big measuring stick. Now, depending on how that game goes, if it's close and they're within striking range or up, that place is going to be insane. If not, it's going to look like it did that night when Ohio Ohio State came to town. Mm -hmm. It looked like a a funeral. But I think it's going to be great. I know nothing about what it's like other than the bus ride into the stadium, but – They've got to have a great, like tailgate. Oh yeah, yeah, bar, yeah. Restaurant I mean, well, area. their setup apparently is very similar to what the setup here is with Campus Corner, 
and that their big bar area allegedly is very close to the stadium. We're like walking distance away. Yeah. So when you can combine the two, when you can have multiple options, I mean, the tailgating is always going to be better when that's the only choice around the stadium, right? That's like at Kansas State. Like they have Aggieville, but you can't walk from Aggieville to the football stadium. Right. If you're going to the football stadium, buddy, you're tailgating before. That's what you're doing. That's why it's right. so much fun there. But it sounds like Nebraska has both, you know, good tailgating and good, you know, bar options down the street as well. Has has OU's bar options around Campus Corner close to the because of our how used to it we are, do we underrate our own experience? Now, um, here's the thing. Hmm. You do have to understand that our experience ebbs and flows with the quality of opponent that we're playing on the yeah, on a given weekend. Yeah, I would say no just because I would like for it to be more of a mix, right? And there are people that do tailgate and have really cool tailgates, but they're just kind of it's few and far between. I, I wish there was more of a lively tailgate scene than, than what they have. Right. But the bar scene, yeah, I mean, it's cool. It's fine. There's there's several. It's not like it's a one or two bar situation. There's several bars down there, a lot going on. It's Yeah, that that aspect is really cool. I just wish the tailgating was better. Yeah. No, I hear you. Uh, I hear you. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. Hit some things that caught my eye next. Stay tuned. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. We call this segment What Caught Teddy's Eye. Let's get to it. Story number one is. I saw this, which I thought was fascinating. Alex Jones. It's been a while <laughs> since uh, we talked about Alex Jones. And on his show, don't know where you can get it, but. Not on YouTube, right? Um, I think he's banned from there. Yeah, I think you're right. In order to show his dedication an appreciation for his fans that have been there through thick and thin. Um, he pulled out a knife and said that he wants to cut his finger off to show how much he appreciates them. And luckily didn't make the final move to, uh, to cut the finger off, but in how that shows the appreciation, I'm not exactly sure. I guess uh, some type of sacrifice, but I thought it was at least noteworthy that uh, <laughs> he made the, uh, you know, proclaimed his appreciation of his fans in a rare way. <laughs> Who's laughing? 
<laughs> I think maybe Joe Rogan in the background. I don't know. <laughs> but cutting off the finger is the 15th craziest thing that he's ever done or said on that thing. On that oh, yeah. That, you don't even bat an eye at that. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's, yeah Alex Jones. Once that stream of thought uh, roller coaster gets going, you're on for a long, long uh, ride. Now, I saw a, a fan fight, which rarely – well – I guess it doesn't rarely happen. It happens a lot, but it was a rare place for one. A summer league game. How do we have a fan fight in the NBA at a summer league game? Is it really that tense at those games? Um, They're in Vegas and in Salt Lake, so maybe someone had cash on the I, I don't know. Maybe one of the stations, other stations here in town, <laughs> sent someone to cover the Thunder out there, and someone said something bad about Chet Holmgren. Mm. Since, you know, they're banking the entire franchise on that guy. Brutal. Brutal. Um, Zach Wilson. Yeah, I was uh, debating on bringing this up. Um, I don't know what, what other to say than Zach Wilson. I mean, I, I can add to it if you'd like, but I – you think everyone knows what we're talking about at this point? If you don't, I'll bring you up to speed quickly. Zach Wilson and his girlfriend, I guess, broke up not too long ago. She's now dating uh, what used to be his best friend that went to college with him, uh, who's now a receiver for the Commanders. And someone said that she was, what, homie hopping? And she said, uh, actually, Zach was sleeping with his mom's Best friend. He's the real homie hopper. Yeah, which um, if these rumors are true, it'll mark the first time the Jets have scored over 40 since 2018. (laughs) Nicely done. It was an interesting story and one that I'm sure Zach Wilson is just thrilled is out there now. Is that is that all you have? Yeah. Uh, this is 2008. Let's go back to the year 2008. Okay. Uh, yeah. Texas and Baylor playing football. We got to go back a long way because Texas was actually relevant in the national championship race back in 2008. Uh, RG3 told KVUE, a TV station in Austin, about a meeting he had with Mac Brown after the game at midfield. RG3 said, quote, my freshman year at Baylor, we were playing against Texas, which I think was a top five team at the time. After the game, and I had played really well, Mac Brown came up to B and said, uh, man, we really messed up when we didn't give you that offer. And he actually offered me a scholarship on the spot in the middle of the field after the game to transfer to Texas to play for him. Ultimately, I decided to stay at Baylor, and I think that was the best decision for me, end quote. I mean, we make fun of Lincoln Riley for tampering. How about that for tampering? Mac Brown offering RG3 a spot on his team at midfield after the game, after he beat him. Highly illegal. Um, I thought Mac was a gentleman. I Here's what I love about it. RG3 was 6 of 19 for 71 yards with a touchdown and an interception. So, I don't know. I guess he had 13 carries for 101 yards and a touchdown. Robert, we'd love to offer you as a defensive back. We think you'd be long and rangy in our backfield. We'd love to have you. I think he originally offered him as a DB. Well, it sounds highly illegal, right? Yeah, because it probably is highly illegal. Quality tampering right there. I wish RG3 would have gone to the postgame press conference and say, 
Man, that Mac Brown is uh, he's a class act. He just offered me a scholarship and wanted me to transfer right there on the field. What's funny is I don't think a whole lot of people were thinking after reading this, oh, wow, what might have been for Texas if RG3 ends up uh, transferring there? It's, yeah, Texas would have found a way not to – he wouldn't have won a Heisman Trophy at Texas, that's for sure. They wouldn't have been able to maximize his skill set. Wow, that's, that is fascinating. I love that story. <laughs> Mac Brown's going to have to answer questions about it, probably. Mike Al- uh, Mike Houck sent out a uh, tweet last night. He's the OU SID for football. He says, working on the at OU football media guide, and here's a little hashtag Sooners nugget. Since Bob Stoops' first year as OU head coach in 1999, OU leads the nation in scoring with 11,809 points. That's 1,042 more points than the Power 5 program with the next most, Oregon, at 10,767. Goo, wow. Man, that's staggering. What was the time frame again? Since 1999, since Bob wow. Stoops has, has gotten here, was, was here. That's wild. Okay. Uh, man. That's impressive. Yeah, that is impressive. Uh, Last one I have, and uh, I know that we have a ton of listeners in the state of Texas. We love y'all. We do like to make fun of Houston and Dallas, but we still love and appreciate Mm -hmm. you. We're not going to cut our finger off for you like Alex Jones, (laughs) but know that we still love you. But apparently, Texans are being asked to conserve electricity right now, and there is at least uh, ERCOT, E-E-R-C-O-T, they are recommending Texans to turn their AC up to nearly 80 degrees, uh, apparently, during the day. Yeah. Not happening. Well, we've got a run of heat going on right now that is uh, pretty disheartening. And as I was looking at the forecast, future forecast, like the next 10 days, all but two of them, tomorrow and Wednesday, are all over 100 degrees and well over 100 degrees. My guess is it's even worse, uh, quite a bit worse down there in Texas. So, yeah, you combine a really, really hot summer with the fact that the demand for energy in Texas has been going up, 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 up every single year, and I don't know how uh, they've added capacity, if at all, with new power plants or new new options. And, yeah, you have a bit of a problem there. You think those Californians that all just moved to Texas like turning up the AC to 80 degrees? I think, mm. it's, the, I think it's the Tesla Gigafactory that they just <laughs> put in Austin that is probably using an insane amount of uh, electricity. Isn't Texas amazing? If the weather fluctuates one way or the other, the entire state shuts down. When they had the freeze a couple of years ago, yeah. the entire state was, I mean, it was bad there. And then now it's really hot and you got to turn your AC to 80 degrees. What if they, the state. What if they said um, because of the increased demand that we're going through right now, we're asking uh, electric vehicle owners to not charge your vehicle overnight? <laughs> the How state would, that would go? Yeah, the, the highways would be empty <laughs> in the Dallas Metroplex. I hope they don't ask to uh, do that out at USC or USC's uh, training camp will all be indoors if they, uh, you know, if it's 80 degrees, if it's that hot out there. We know Lincoln Riley, if it's too hot, degrees. it's too hot, boys. Let's move it indoors. Come on. I don't want you to break a sweat out there or well, get too tired. Well, luckily for them, it's 
pretty much the same exact temperature every single day there, which, okay, yeah, uh, maybe there's some jealousy going on. What of it? No big deal. All right, quick timeout. More from The Rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number two next. Cavens Construction bringing you hour number two of the rush. Cavens, they do it all. Remodeling, roofing, water restoration, facility maintenance, and a whole lot more. CavensConstruction.com, or you can give them a call. 405-573-3048. Tulsa, they're here to serve you as well. 918-282-7612. One more thing on what caught your eye, my eye, whatever. Pittsburgh Steelers fans are not happy today. Not happy today. What's In going fact, on? they're PO'd. It's not going to be uh, named Heinz Field anymore. It's Acrejue Stadium, something. I don't, I don't even know what the how to say the new word or the new sponsor of the stadium. Huh. Heinz Field is no more. That's Acrejue. Yeah. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh, they are true blue football fans. They like a tradition and all that. No, it's not the old Three Rivers Stadium that they used to play in, but Heinz Field, that had kind of stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Not no mo. Um, what was it? Paid $57 million for a 20-year deal for naming rights. Mm. That's probably a really good deal. Who was it? What stadium did we see recently that that finally changed? They paid like... Oh, uh, the Staples Center changed. Is that what you're thinking of? No. Someone paid, I oh, it was Syracuse. Oh, the, it's not the Carrier Dome yeah, anymore? The Carrier Dome paid like a million dollars for naming rights forever, and it's been that way for, I don't know, 40-plus years, and finally they're like, yeah. okay, we're not going to hold you to that anymore. Uh, by the way, I'm going to save everyone 13 14 bucks. Here's Phil Steele's top 40 uh, preseason rankings. He's got Texas at 18, USC at 16, Oklahoma State at 15, Baylor at 14, and OU at number 8. Hmm. I think OU is – that seems about right. I feel like – I feel like Baylor is – Yeah, they, they need to be ranked higher. I feel like they've got them in the wrong group of, of teams. But there is some unknown with Baylor. Um you know they 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 lost some players, but the development down there has been excellent, and the running game has been excellent. They're going to find another back. Uh, they made a back linebacker the running back last year, and he rushed for like sixteen hundred yards. They're going to have someone uh, tote the pill for him that's going to do a really good job shaping. That's that's the thing. If their defense is going to be good, offensive line, defensive line, right now you have to say they're the best in yep. the conference and. If they've got a quarterback to go with it, look out. And I guess Texas Tech is announcing something huge with their stadium tonight and renovations. They're taking it down to 20,000 seats? I think so. That's it, yep. Kicking all the students out. (laughs) Quick timeout. More from The Rush coming up. Final hour is next.